We have volunteers who their job is that if there is anyone who feels hesitant or scared walking from the building to their car, we have a safety team who will escort them from their car to the event and and back out. That's Alex John Meyer. And the safety team they're talking about is for what may seem like a very unlikely event, an art show. I'm Nancy Fowler, and this is Cut and Paste, St. Louis Public Radio's arts and culture podcast. On Saturday, St. Louis's Metro Trans Umbrella Group will host its fifth annual art exhibition called Transcending the Spectrum. MTUG, as the group calls itself for short, has grown and become more visible over the past five years. And so has the art show. In fact, this year, there are 35 visual artists and 25 stage performers. These acts include headliner Denier, a rap and hip-hop artist who's a transgender man of color. He's a favorite of John Meyer, a visual artist who curates the show. John Meyer identifies as transmasculine, which comes under the transgender umbrella. Also joining us was artist Eric Schoolcraft, who is a gay cisgender man. Cisgender means that you identify as the gender you were assigned at birth. Now they both emphasize that yes, in many ways, things are getting better for transgender people. But there's a push and pull between being known and being safe. In 2017, nearly 30 transgender people mainly transgender women of color, were killed violently across the United States. We hear from John Meyer first about one artist in the show who works to make LGBTQ people distinctly visible. So one of my favorite artists, I'm a really big fan of hers, her name is Kimberly N. She's a local photographer. Um, She, specifically for the MTUG art show, took photography of nude trans and queer bodies. and they're just black and white images, and they're so simple but so beautiful. What is it about portraying the bodies, you know, especially queer and trans bodies, that that is important? We exist. You know, as, I don't know. I grew up in a very cis gender, you know, cis het, heterosexual, very re- Republican. I, I grew up in a conservative environment and didn't even meet other gay people until I was 18 and didn't meet other transgender or gender queer people. Well, that's the thing is you didn't know if you had met them because they couldn't be themselves. That's true. So maybe, yeah, I I think um, it's interesting to talk to people who say, you know, I never met anybody of this. I didn't know know I met. Right. Right. I was like, well, of course you did. Yeah. So Alex, how did that change for you? When did you? My brain exploded. (laughs) No, it's like the sky opened up and I could, you know, and the birds were singing and and I, I, I met someone I had never met a trans, I had never, I never knew I met a transgender person before and I, and I met this person and I looked him in the eyes and, and I didn't have the words, I didn't know the words transgender, but I looked at him and I knew he wasn't a she, I knew he wasn't a lesbian and I said, I'm sorry, um, you used to be a woman? And he's like, and he was horrified. And, uh, and, and he's like, oh my God, how did you know? And, and please don't tell anyone. And that I was like, oh my gosh, there's someone else like me. I, 
I grew up my entire childhood w wishing I were a boy. And at age nine, I, you know, was like, you know what? I don't, I don't feel like I don't identify with this name I was given at birth. I wish my name were Alex. And, and it wasn't obviously until much, much later that I was like, you know what? I'm making that real. And I legally changed my name. And then with, with the birth of MTUG, um, being surrounded by all kinds of people, you know, trans women, trans men, gender, queer, uh, intersex, um, just all the different possibilities of expression and identity was, it was, it was beautiful. Life-changing for me, honestly. So, <laughs> no, I, I'm just like, it's a little overwhelming at times to think about like how once upon a time we all met, you know, trans people met in secret and in the backs of gay bars. And, you know, even just walking from the gay bar to your car, you were scared for your life. And and there are trans people who are still scared for oh, their yeah, life. It's, it's um, crime and violence against trans people is pretty prevalent still. And, and that's why I think this show is so important. It, you know, it brings it into a view of a more mainstream crowd. Mm -hmm. And the more that that's possible, the more that people are accepting that, oh, these are people. And we do have a safety team for anyone that ha is concerned. A safety team, mm -hmm. okay. So we have volunteers who their job is that if there is anyone who feels hesitant or scared walking from the building to their car, we have a safety team who will escort them from their car to the event and, and back out. Wow, just to think of the fact that something called a safety team needs to exist today, right? I mean, what does that say about where we are? We take care of our own. Well, it's important. The, the murder rate for trans people is staggering. Especially for trans women of color. It's, it breaks my heart. But, you know, we're working on it. Uh, and, you know, I shouldn't be, but every time I see another headline, I'm just shocked and surprised that in this day and age, it's still, you know, a caveman mentality about it. So, Eric, how did you get involved and when in the, um, the MTUG art show? Um, last year, Alex approached me as a participant, and um, it was my first experience with them. I... Uh, I have a father who's passed away now, but he uh, also was trans, and um, was my Aunt Jamie, quote unquote. <laughs> uh, so I've had, you know, exposure to the culture for you know many, many years, uh, longer than Alex has been alive. So that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> not much older than me. So tell me what that was like to have a, a transgender parent how you came to know that and how that sort of um, came to play out in your own life. Well, uh, you know, I, I knew I was a gay man from, you know, a pretty young age, so I was pretty open to the ramifications of it in my life, even though most of my family was not. Um, because from what you're saying, this was how many years ago? Oh, 30 years ago. Okay, so we're talking about a time when people might not even know the, the word transgender. Right, right. It, yeah, there was, you know, any reference that you heard to it was 
lacking any kind of positivity usually. So, um, but it was an interesting group of people that he hung around with, and I learned a lot from a lot of those people. Um, and they're all they at the time were all super fringe society. So um, it, it was a unique learning experience for me as a kid. Yeah, yeah. So um, your parent was um, a transgender woman. Um, yes. Okay. Uh, male to female. And um, although he didn't live full time that way, he hung out in groups that gave him an outlet to do that. So, um, you know, he had a regular job with the post office as a carrier uh, and presented himself as a masculine man most of the time. Um, but on weekends when he could hang out with his friends and cut loose, she was a pretty amazing woman. Yeah. What do you think it would have meant to your parent to have a group like MTUG and to have the kind of, I know it's not enough, but the kind of visibility at least that we have today? Well, he was one of the first administrators of St. Louis Gender Foundation. Um, and so it's okay to apply. He, he had a pretty <laughs> yes. magnificent support group that he helped to create. Yeah. Okay. So when I was first figuring out if I was trans or genderqueer, I didn't even know those words yet. And the St. Louis Gender Foundation was the first place that I called. And like, so they actually like helped, they saved me. And, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of pe people in St. Louis who yeah. were struggling. Yeah. Uh, a lot of those people, that. a lot of those people came to that group with some serious baggage and needed some support. And uh, I know they did a lot of great things for a lot of people, yeah. so. How did you, and I don't wanna make it sound like, oh, this is this big mysterious thing and you had to find out, like, you know, but I'm, you know, especially 30 years ago, I and mean, there must've been a time when your parents sat down and said, hey, there's something I want you to know. Actually, I think I got invited to an event. Okay. Um, you know, dad, Aunt Jamie had, uh, every other weekend visitation. So um, my brothers, you know, they were, they all thought this was kind of fringe. And so one of the weekends when I was there by myself, you know, my dad and his partner knew of my own proclivities and knew that I'd be fine with it. So uh, it was really a non-issue. So Eric, tell me about your work. Uh, I call it Sharpies on Trash. Sharpies on Trash. Uh, largely it is, um, <laughs> It's, you know, scraps of things that will soon end up in a landfill. And, uh, what, what kind of things? Uh, everything from plastic shopping bags to, you know, uh, I, I do a lot of thrift store plates. And, I just uh, love them. Even some framed needlepoint or something, uh, I'll just draw right over the glass. Um, uh, plastic shopping bags, just for an example. I did a portrait of Alex not long ago. Uh, that's one of the pieces that's going to go into the show. Okay, so this looks like it's a portrait of Alex over some it's, text from Tom Sawyer. It's on a Barnes & Noble plastic retail shopping bag that, you know, would end up in a landfill for 200 years. Right. Uh, and I figure if I can add a little bit of pretty to it and somebody likes it well enough to put it on their wall, then I did a little bit of good. Um, the reaction to it is... Sometimes it's a little avant-garde for some people. You nearly sold out at your solo show at Concrete Ocean. Well, I 
I did pretty well. Actually. You did really well at that show. <laughs> considering it, that there were red dots everywhere. Considering that it was a lot, largely junk and trash and things that you know were all cast offs. Work, I, obviously. I love it. Thank you. I appreciate that. So, did you create work specifically for this show as I did, well? As and a in what of way fact. is the work that was created for this show sort of um, referencing LGBTQIA? life or themes well locally alex is a pretty large personality in this crowd oh stop. so <laughs> the fact that i got an opportunity to draw her um them excuse me uh, uh everybody works on those pronouns i know on a regular basis i'm and my own bad uh, my, my own advocate I, I totally appreciate you reminding me thank you so effort counts mm-hmm. that's all i ask for is that people try so I, I was really glad to represent Alex. Um, I, I think everybody knows Alex, and uh, I, I hope somebody really wants that piece. I, I'm buying it if nobody does. <laughs> <laughs> that was Alex John Meyer and Eric Schoolcraft talking about the Metro Trans Umbrella Group art show called Transcending the Spectrum. I'm Nancy Fowler, and this is Cut and Paste, St. Louis Public Radio's Arts and Culture Podcast, produced with help from my editor, David Casares. The music you heard during the podcast is by local musicians Denier and also Eric Hall. You can find Cut and Paste at stlpublicradio.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Cut and Paste is sponsored by Gemma, architects, planners, and designers. <laughs>